Welcome to Leaders in Conversation with me, Annie Townend, the podcast that helps you to grow your confidence and courage as a leader. I created this series of candid conversations for leaders to share their inspirational leadership stories, weaving together the threads of their life, offering valuable insights and rich experience to help and inspire you on your own unique leadership journey. In each episode, leaders share their stories to encourage you to delve into what you really care about, your values and beliefs, your purpose and passions, and how to live these through your leadership every day in all that you do. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, please do subscribe, review and share it. Thank you. In this episode, I'm delighted to be in conversation with Wilma Allen. Welcome, Wilma. Hi, Annie. Thank you very much for having me here. I'm thrilled to have you here. Wilma, you are a growth and development mentor and a founder of Being at the Cottage, as well as being a creator and an author. I'm very much looking forward to delving into how making change always starts on the inside of ourselves, what it means to discover and lead from who we are, not from who we think we should be, the value of being present and avoiding the zip wire of time, understanding the deep impact of spending time alone, and why now, today, more than ever, there is a need for leadership renaissance. Wilma, let's start by asking about you and about your leadership. And in particular, who are the people and the places that have shaped you and made you the leader you are today? Wow, that's a huge question. Um, I think my mind immediately goes to uh, the traveling I did in the mid-1980s. I was with my husband at the time, and we traveled for just under four years on a motorbike um, around the world. And I have to tell you, it changed me more than I could have imagined uh, at the time. And I think that I can't possibly tell you all about it. There are many, many stories. But the thing that came out of it for me was synchronicity. It kept happening. It kept happening, kept happening. And seeing us through borders, looking after us. When I came back and years later, I look back at the trip and I think, my goodness, all of that, because we had a purpose we were determined to succeed. We'd set this goal in a little sitting room just outside Winchester in 1982 or 83 or something. And we planned it, we executed it, and we achieved it. And it was that that sort of singleness of purpose, again, which I didn't recognise until probably four or five years ago, had all fallen into place. So that's a really key thing for me. Um, and the people, everybody... I, I noticed things about everybody because while we were traveling, it began to bother me about the way people were thinking and being, how we think matters so much. And so I notice how people show up in the world quite acutely and quite observant. I'm interested in people and who they are and how they're being. So it happens all the time. <laughs> That's so wonderful, because one of the things that I often talk about with leaders, that leadership is, in fact, more about who you're being than what you do. Obviously, what you do matters, but who you're being, how you show up really matters. And showing up in particular aligned to your purpose, it sounds as if you, you both 
you and your husband at the time shared that same sense of purpose that you were on this journey together and you were going to succeed. Yeah, without a doubt, yes. And um, the bike was the the third part of it, really, just the way we travelled. But it was definitely a shared purpose. We never sat around the campfire at night wondering, would we succeed? You know, (laughs) it it was a given we just decided and we were going to do it. It was that simple. And you know, not to say that there weren't big problems, but, you know, we overcame them. You overcame the problems. And mm. when you set out, did you have a picture of success? Sometimes in my work with leaders, I will encourage them to have a picture of what success looks like. Or did you just know you were going to go for four years on the bike? Um we didn't know we'd be taking four years. But the picture we had, or well, the picture I had, was actually sitting on the sitting room floor with a piece of string uh, and a tape measure um, and the Times World Atlas planning where we wanted to go. I knew I wanted to go to Africa. James knew he wanted to go to South America. Um, and, you know, coming back around the other side of the world was part of it. So that was the picture. Um, but in terms of having a picture of success as we as coaches would know about it now, no, that, that wasn't a thing. I love the picture of you both sitting on the the sitting room floor with string mapping out yeah. and the relationship with the bike, which must also have been an intimate relationship with the bike, as you mentioned, the third party on the journey. Yeah, definitely. James learned how to mend it, basically pull it apart. And, you know, we, we knew how to uh, literally change a tyre to take it off and put a new one on. You know, we had to know how to change a tyre in the middle of nowhere um, or at the side of the road with, um, you know, Karachi traffic piling past you. Uh, and we got to know it intimately, yeah. And as well as having that shared sense of purpose to succeed, what other factors contributed to your overcoming some of the obstacles and challenges that you must have met along the way? But I think that's where the synchronicity started to come in, just just believing that we could do it. It wasn't a sort of conjured up belief. It was just, it was so underlyingly powerful. I mean, we got questioned by lots of others, particularly, you know, in Africa when we were really green and we were two up on one bike and the bike was a heavy bike. So you meet other sort of overland travellers on a single bike that's much lighter to use and they're six foot six tall and there's only one of them. And, you know, we had some pretty scathing, encounters with people oh you'll never make it um thanks you know we'll we'll just see how we get on (laughs) sounds like that actually made you all the more determined Wilma to to keep going and what do you think in your childhood in your upbringing readied you for this enormous journey and we often talk about leadership as being a journey but what in your childhood do you think readied you for this journey? I think the the quiet upbringing from my parents, they were a very strong Scottish influence all my life. When we were little, my mother sold a coat and bought us a pony when my older sister and I were sort of eight and 10 or something. And it was just that when you fall off, you get up and dust yourself down. And they quietly supported us. There was never any histrionics, but also my dad was a doctor and when we got ill, you know, we'd get a sore throat before school or something. So he'd get out his wooden spatula thingy and stick it, you know, to scrape something off our throat, take it into the lab, come back and say, you've got streptococcal something, something, or that you'll get better. 
so we got better you know <laughs> it was that simple and that I think is where the mind thing the thought started because I was always told I'd get better I was never fussed over when I was ill and we got better I really strongly believe that mindset of being able to do something understanding that the power in our thoughts runs right through our bodies and our thoughts affect everything we say and do and so that belief that I'll get better I'm just imbued with it I'm I'm very rarely ill I get better (laughs) that's the philosophy you will get better yeah you will get over it which is a great Mm. philosophy and picking up on the, the power of the mind and how you talk about making change always starts on the inside of ourselves. Does yeah. that relate to the power of the mind? Is that what you're talking about there? I, th- I think so, because how we think uh, influences how we feel and how we feel affects every cell in the body. And when we feel centred, and that things are possible. We feel entirely different to feeling, I can't do this, I'm overwhelmed, I know I'm anxious. Um, So that creates a completely different feeling. And it's all tied up with awareness. If we're aware of how we're feeling and where that feeling lies, we can begin to learn to change the, the pattern of our thoughts or the structure of our thoughts. And we can just say, stop. If we if we have a, if we become conscious enough to notice a thought that is unhelpful and stop it and then take some breaths, but just stop it. Just empty your head for a nanosecond, knowing that you can choose a different thought. So choice and it's a, it's a, it is all internal because it's it's how we feel and and the energy that we then emit. So the energetic electromagnetic wave of who we are at that time. That just goes straight out there. Now, that's the out there stuff, but it comes from inside that that whole feeling connection, who we are. I can feel it right now, right here in my solar plexus. <laughs> it's um, just there. But I think most people are walking around slightly blindfolded, slightly unaware of who they really can be, who they really are. And more and more with climate emergency and the chaos in the world, it matters who each and every one of us is and how we how we take responsibility for who we are rather than actually someone else can do this or it's all up to somebody else. I don't think it is anymore. I really think it's all up to each of us now to, be, to become the really best version of ourselves that we can. And that does start, might start with someone like me saying it's possible. This might help to shift some people thinking, I didn't know it was all down to me. Can I step up and do that? Yes, of course you can. It takes practice, but it is just changing who you are being moment to moment. And I'm not perfect. I mean, I fall out of it, um, but I know I can do it. And I have moments where, you know, I have to wander off for a couple of weeks into the wilderness wondering what's going on. Sometimes, literally, I'll go off into the wilderness and <laughs> talk to myself about what's going on. But it is all down to us you know we are so powerful we really are so powerful as individuals and then when we get together then you know but that's why I work with leaders because they have that that bigger sphere to to influence other people so if I can help to see that they can change then they can influence others and it can ripple down so yes it all starts on the inside 
It does. I think so too, Wilma. It's so exciting listening to you and resonating with all of that you say and that what you do is help raise awareness of the possibility that we can do this. And as you speak, it very much is in line with the philosophy of your father that you will get better, you can do this, get on with it, that sense of responsibility and that we have a choice in that and that when we notice what we're thinking, that affects how we're feeling both emotionally and, as you describe it, feeling right now in your solar plexus, you can feel how you're feeling. And for listeners, I'm thinking... Just what you've said is an encouragement to take a moment, to look within, to notice what are you thinking? Is it helpful what you're thinking? And to hold Mm. that thought, does it help open up positivity? Does it help open up possibility and responsibility around making choices day to day? And together, a little bit like you and your husband on the bike, together having that shared purpose that together we can do better through supporting and encouraging each other yeah that's beautifully put that's absolutely it you know as as individuals we we can all we can all connect with how powerful we really are and it's something that it develops and it grows and I mean I don't know where the end is I don't think there's an end I think it just keeps growing (laughs) but if we know we're not doing it all alone you know that every time we all improve everything's all improving and I'm sure it's exponential so that the more of us do it, the greater global effect we will have. I just think that's a possibility for everybody. I do too. I think we're calling to each other um, as people for that and working with leaders who have that greater influence and power to to lead differently and to lead very much from who they are. How do you help leaders discover who they really are rather than how they should be as a leader? It's about what I call the nine enduring elements. And um, I'll just briefly read them to you. When we engage with these, we we come back into ourselves. I I know leaders go on lots of uh, leadership courses and all that kind of thing. And I think many of them come back feeling that there's something out there that they need to be, whereas, in fact, going back to the inside, it's all inside them. These enduring elements, it, it starts off with what I believe now is, is a need for leadership renaissance. But basically, there's awareness, the subconscious mind, the layers of our conditioning, which we all grow up with, whatever they may be. Um, the fact that we all have unlimited potential in our creativity. We don't just have to be an artist or a potter or something. Creativity is much more nuanced than that. Um, the power of choice. There's time and timelessness, synchronicity and connection. So connection to ourselves, connection to our place in the planet, um, connection to the energy of, of the universe, back to the electromagnetic, the, the quantum physics. So I work with leaders with those nine elements to introduce them to the internal nuances of how to lead from who they are, how to discover who they really are. And not they're not their role, they're, they're not their job, that they're the human being leading whatever, whether it's a family, a small business, a multinational, a government, you know, each and every one of us has the potential to be a leader, just because we can connect with those elements and and turn ourselves into something that is responsible for who we are and how we're showing up on a day to day basis. Because 
we all need to be better than we were yesterday, particularly now. We have the climate crisis, we have wars. I mean, the world is in chaos. I think we we are recognising that. And so by becoming individually better human beings, and in my case, working with leaders so that they can see that, and that then influences who they're working with, because that, that time alone is phenomenal. It is It is just phenomenal. I'd love to hear more about that, the deep impact of spending time alone, which I know when leaders come to be at the cottage is time on their own. It would be great to hear you talking more about that deep impact of spending time alone. The cottage is a phenomenal place. And again, synchronicity brought me to it. Um, uh, but it it's in the middle of a forest in the Black Mountains in, in Monmouthshire. And we use the space and the silence there to sort of bring out the extraordinary in people. So they do come on their own. There's no tech. There's no telly. uh, There's naturally no mobile phone there anyway. And they're halfway up the side of a hill. So it's about a 20-minute walk to the top of the hill and the plateau of the Black Mountains. So they can be very internal in the cottage. And then you can equally be completely expansive on top of the hills and when I first found the cottage which was over 30 years ago now 1991 um, soon after we'd come back from traveling um, I rented it but it had no electricity and it had water from a spring so I lived there for four years without electricity on my own so I understand the aloneness of it and it's an exquisite thing particularly in that place because it just has a wraparound feeling of of safety. People would often say, what in the world are you doing living there on your own in the middle of a forest, you know, female on her own? I never felt unsafe and I never do. And so the, the importance of spending time alone for particularly busy people with a big agenda, a lot going on is, and I purposely take them out of that and bring them here so that they can have a completely different perspective, not just on, maybe looking back at their work from wherever they've come from, but but they get a completely different perspective on themselves. And so to balance the time alone, I go up and spend time with them. And we have these really rich conversations about what they're doing, who they are, um, why they can't be who they really feel they are. Uh, I can help people, you know, pick around the, the belief and any shame or any negative stuff that's just, hanging around in the background holding them back and so we can do that there but it's a balance and the other thing is it's really important that they come without having to decide what to do so there's a sort of um lightly choreographed timetable for them when I'm not there we do all their food for them and they're brought by chauffeur so they can enjoy the transition from a railway station out of the city and up through Wales and up this beautiful valley called the Lantoni Valley to the cottage so my my caring of them matters enormously so that they get the best out of the stay and they and they relax into it sounds amazing like you take care of their external experience in every possible way so that they can have both that external experience outside of the wrap round of the cottage but also they can wrap round and into themselves and really go inside which sounds really lovely I was thinking then the importance for me Wilma of making time to spend with myself alone and the best time of day 
for me is always first thing in the morning and I mm. consciously get up earlier than I need to get up in order to be able to have that time alone to sort of find my feet and yeah. internally the lay of the land. Um, I'm very drawn to the outdoors and to, to walking. I often describe my practice my meditation as walking being my meditation and yeah, walking yeah, on yeah. my own I rarely listen to anything when I'm walking other than the wind is that something people having been at the cottage are able to incorporate into their leadership every day the making time I think it's I think it's something people struggle with more than they more than they'd like to because it's easy to get taken over once you're back in the workspace isn't it it's another discipline I mean I'm like you I love to walk and I will walk in all weathers and I nearly always walk alone the other thing I encourage people to do take a notebook and a pen because if you're on your own and I have conversations with myself I find myself articulating something I've never said before and it only happens in that moment. So that's why I take a notepad and a pencil to catch those phrases or those insights. And I really encourage anyone to do that if, if you're out on your own and you're just being with yourself. And sometimes to take a question, take a question with you and walk. Because that, that particularly if it's not struggling walk, like sort of climbing up a steep side of a hill or something, but just walking rhythmically, that rhythm is so inducive to just connecting with ourselves and um, getting those insights and quite often I sort of I'll walk out and let the frustrations of whatever it is just go let them go and if it's a sort of an out and back walk I often find that most of it's gone by the time I get to where I need to turn around then the answers start to come in on the way back and it's not structured it's not planned it's just now you don't have to come to the cottage to do this you need 20 minutes on your own just make it a habit to find that quieter space and you know, even sit under a tree in a park and just zone out. Um, and even if there are people coming by, you can go inside and, and still find aloneness. I think so. And be really present to yourself. So although you're zoning out, you're also zoning in and exactly. out in a strange kind of way. And yeah. in that way, avoid what you call the, the zip wire of time. Is that what you mean by that? I just mean it's avoiding spending too much time in the past, thoughts in the past, thoughts in the present, the what ifs, unless they're really positive, constructive what ifs for the present. Um, what ifs, they just create a shambolic mindset. I mean, the more we can stay in the present um, and observe the past and contemplate the future, that's a very, very powerful place to plan from because we're completely centered. There is only now. You know, what I've just said, that's in the past. What I'm about to say is in the future. So I'm here now and I feel grounded. I feel centered. I feel great. You know, I feel full of possibility. And that's the expansiveness of being present because there's an enormity about it, which until you recognize it, we kind of be past it because if we're on the zip wire, we're so busy zipping up and down that we miss that bit in the middle. And once we start recognizing it and choosing to be in it more and more, it becomes a phenomenally powerful place to operate from when we're in it. And we don't just, so we're present for ourselves. When you're very conscious of it, it becomes a sort of a presence and a holding for 
everything around us. And, and that is a very powerful thing to be doing, sort of holding space, if you like, for not just me and mine in my home, but for holding space out there, other people. And, you know, this isn't my own little space. Other people can come into this space, but I'm holding it. And I, I just find that a really energising, exciting place to be. And, you know, to help other people recognise that is well, it's a privilege. It's a joy. It really is. And especially working with leaders who hold so much. So, Wilma, why now more than ever is there a need for leadership renaissance? Um, because I think there's just no denying the chaos that the world is in. And... Um, I think to to bring this 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 term leadership renaissance into the arena, it really matters to me because actually I had a real flash of insight this morning. It, it, back to everybody, everybody can be a leader. We need to know how to lead ourselves into a better place. And if it takes people like me and lots of others who are going to help others, then that's what we need to be doing. But the recognition that the renaissance actually starts with each and every one of us. And I've chosen to work with leaders because they have that bigger sphere of influence. We have to do it. And, and it will be different for each of us. So that's where we go back to those nine enduring elements. When we learn to, to live and work from those nine elements and it, engaging with those elements just helps us all as individuals to become a better human being, to become better than we were yesterday. To work with the leaders, you know, they, they work with hearts and minds and it's a big deal to shift hearts and minds and it requires deep work. It, it requires a lot of attention and curiosity, but somehow that work has come my way. That's what I feel I can do. <laughs> and, um, I love it. I love to be able to support people in a profound way of being in a profound way to lead and work and, and to help other people recognize that, they are much more than they really think they are. They can do and be so much more. And even if we're just doing our shopping, we can do and be so much more. And, and that's why the leadership renaissance matters. It's, it's a new philosophy. It's a, well, my philosophy of leading from a place of the infinite potential of being human in the chaos of a changing world. Basically, that's what it is. And I, I will do my utmost to help people and guide people to to become the better leader that they they may not know they are yet but I know they are and um so bring it on <laughs> bring it on Wilma thank you so much and as we draw to the close of our conversation what are your three top tips for people who are looking to renaissance their leadership I firmly believe that spending more time alone is is a very important part of that because you get that internal time, you get that time for reflection. I call them private investigations as well. When we've got a conundrum going on, spending time alone and having a private investigation with ourselves um, is a very powerful thing because we get the answers to, to the problems more often than not. I think also finding ways to nourish and replenish yourself as well as the people you're working for and I, as a leader I mean you know the people we're leading and we're influencing to nourish and replenish so um, it could be something like meditation I mean I, I practice qigong more than I practice meditation which is Chinese energy healing it's a very powerful but 
simple, gentle way of moving, movement in the morning, um, but just maybe having a better, healthier diet or taking more exercise or something quite simple, but something that makes you feel good. Do something that, that really nourishes you internally so that you feel good about yourself, because that makes such a difference, I think. And yeah, start to look at the changes within ourselves. What is going on? How am I feeling? If I'm feeling not as good as I might have felt yesterday in a sort of emotional sense, what's created it? How can I shift it? How can I get back onto a better equilibrium, a more positive, a positive way of being? The three brilliant things. And thank you so much, Wilma, for I feel a great sense of possibility as we come to the end of thank our you. conversation. And I'm absolutely confident that any listener listening to our conversation today will equally be inspired. And for people who are looking to find out more about you and being at the cottage, please do visit beingatthecottage.com forward slash experiences and follow Wilma on LinkedIn where she regularly posts or email her on hello at being at the cottage.com. Thank you to my support team, Taryn Weeks from Sparks Marketing and Coco O'Brien, who helped keep me and this podcast on course through marketing and producing and to Coco for creating the wonderful intro and outro music. To contact me, Annie Townend, do email me on annie at annietownend.com. Visit my website, annietownend.com. Subscribe to my newsletter and follow me on LinkedIn. I look forward to connecting with you. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Wilma, for sharing all your wisdom. My pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you.